0: shit 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 show it's a fucking shit show. shit show welcome back to shit show saturday we have shit show michelle you know what when i posted hi by the way hi by the way that um quote of yours that i posted on my instagram did really really well did you see
1: that i did and that was why i was so inspired to do this podcast even though i was really nervous it felt so validating Somebody said, I, and I think I posted it in
0: my reel and somebody wrote to me, this is why I want to join the shit show. Literally warmed my heart. I mean, really
1: me being validated in that kind of a way ha- was so helpful. I have always felt so alone and I have hidden who I am my entire life. I have not started talking about this um, since maybe a year or two ago and to my inner circle, maybe five years ago. Like, I have hidden every aspect of who I am my entire life. So to be validated from random people on the internet, I mean man, how healing.
0: Yeah, it almost has three thousand likes, ok.
1: That's more than one I first checked. <laughs> but my trauma can be good for something.
0: Fuck yeah
1: um,
0: okay, song,
1: oh, song. um dreams by the grandpa. Uh, carb. Favorite carb. Definitely pasta without a doubt.
0: Well, like if you could have any pasta dish,
1: what's it going to be? Oh, well, if it's for comfort, it's definitely got to be comfort noodles, which is overcooked spaghetti, um, with lots of butter and craft Parmesan cheese. It's very mm. specifically asking That,
0: that sounds noodles. really good. It is. I could fuck with, I had some craft mac and cheese the
1: other day. I hadn't had in a while. It was fucking good. That's that's my secondary comfort food, although I go with the Annie's white, uh, white cheddar. But yeah, that's my secondary comfort food for sure.
0: OK, uh, cheese, crafts, parm.
1: No, that does not count. That's that's only for comfort food. Um, Cheese. I am like obsessed with cheese. I'd have to say there's this brie that one of the local cheese shops serves. And I forget exactly what it is, but it is to die for. Mm. Probably brie. I've had a lot of really good bris. Me too. I love a Mm brie. With fig preserves? Like shut shut the front door. What about like a baked brie? Amazing with like fig preserves and you like melt those and then you add in nuts after you microwave it and then you put it in the oven with the brie in there. It is. Or what about in a puff pastry? I have not tried that, but I mean, I haven't had something with brie on it that's been bad, so I can't imagine (laughs) it's horrible. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, condiment um i was going to say olive oil or ketchup i guess depending on the context like, like for for salads gun to the head
0: though like one condiment that's it okay well um
1: yeah i guess olive
0: oil okay when so when did you find
1: out that you were an adult child um i remember my friend posted one of your reels in her story and Ooh, i was like your friend huh what is your friend's name her name is michelle <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah funny enough um yeah she posted one of your reels and i was like hey look it me <laughs> so then is she an adult child or is she just related to something if i had to guess i don't know her well i guess acquaintance is probably a better a better word for her but um if i had to guess i would say yes but then i also believe most people are so this is very true
0: um so that you you saw that okay Continue.
1: Yeah. So I saw that clicked on your profile, watched everything I could possibly do before probably like 3am. And then I was like, man, I should probably go to sleep. Uh, And I was like, yeah, yeah, that, that seems like it fits. Probably I should get the big red book and see what's in there.
0: What was your understanding of
1: how your childhood impacted you prior to that? I don't know if I had the language to describe it. I certainly knew that it did, but I couldn't really tell you in very descriptive ways I knew areas of my life that were affected by things that I maybe believed but I couldn't even really pinpoint beliefs before that either that took a lot of practice and like learning how to be a human which Uh you know I feel like maybe adult children aren't taught how to be human in some ways you know I, or maybe maybe that's not true but that's been my experience like no one taught me about feelings no one taught me what those looked like or what they what they felt no one taught me that you can be uncomfortable in your body no one taught me things like that so i i just didn't know i didn't know that you were allowed to have boundaries i didn't even know what a boundary was <laughs> like i had no idea how to be a human <laughs> so i think i think gaining vocabulary has helped me have a better understanding of where I come from.
0: Mm -hmm. But prior to you learning that you were an adult child, right? You had hit a relationship bottom. It felt like a life
1: bottom, but yes. And when was (laughs) that? That was, I think it was kind of a prolonged bottom, but like one day I just woke up and I was like, I can't live like this anymore. And I checked myself into the emergency room wow. and asked them for ac- for for access to um, an outpatient mental health facility. That's why I went. I, I wasn't suicidal or anything, but it was like something has to change. Like I just can't live like this anymore. And I'd read enough good things about um, outpatient mental health services. That I was like, okay, it's time to get serious about making some changes because everything that I've tried in my anxiety-induced uh, fervor has not worked. So I will try
0: anything to make it stop. And so, what what was helpful in that? Because
1: was it looking at it from a childhood perspective? Um, honestly, I started from nothing. Like when I hit that bottom, I. I started from nothing. I questioned everything that I knew, um, all of it. I was willing to listen to anybody and anything and just kind of figure out if that fit or not and try things. And it's like, oh yeah, this works or, oh no, this isn't, this isn't working for me or that's not quite right. Um, so it was very much like a, a long process of discovery more than anything else. But, um, yeah it started it started there at the outpatient mental health facility and I'm really grateful to have had um not only a career that has good uh health insurance but also a boss who is completely understanding of me needing this time to to figure it out um I worked half time for like six months while I did this and I'm so grateful to have had a supportive boss like I don't know what I would have done otherwise
0: what were some key ah ahas through that process
1: one of the biggest ones that stands out to me was i was always shamed for having emotions particularly Mm -hmm. by my dad so i shoved them down or tried to ignore them and i i learned to go and hide if i had them so that i could like experience them as as minimally as i possibly could before re-engaging with the world and i tried my very best to just hide them or evaporate them so one of the things that i learned in that process is that emotions are not good or bad they are comfortable or uncomfortable Mm. and they are all a tool trying to tell you something every emotion is a tool trying to tell you something about either your internal landscape or your external landscape and it's about figuring out what it's trying to tell you so i paid attention more i i sat with the discomfort of my feelings even though i wanted to do everything to escape i sat with it um And man, in the beginning, after um, my ex and I broke up, I sat on the couch a lot in the fetal position, just hurting. And I wanted to play video games. I wanted to watch TV. I wanted to go travel. I wanted to talk to people. But I wouldn't let myself. I I did not want the distraction because that's what I'd been doing my whole life, is, is running away from these really hard and really uncomfortable feelings. And so it was sitting in that pain. I swear, I must have spent like two months on that couch Aww. and just feeling it and trusting that um, it would pass because that's that's what everyone in, in the outpatient services, that's what every book I read was saying, that it would pass if you just trusted it. Um, and it did, it did finally pass and things became still hard, but a lot more tolerable. Um, sitting with all of that grief that I'd kept, just stored inside of me my whole life.
0: When you say that, well, we'll get into that. Let's talk about your childhood. Ooh, fun. First memory?
1: <laughs> oh, it's not a fun one. I was, I was dreading you asking me this question. I will be honest, it is not a fun one. The first thing that I remember is being upstairs in the house that my parents owned together. I'm pretty sure they were separating at the time. I must have been like four or five, maybe six. Um, And I was upstairs on like this walkway that had rails where you could look down. And my mom was splayed out on the floor crying hysterically. And I could see out the front door, there was a police car. And my dad was there. And so was their friend, Jose. And I forget who punched who, but there was fighting. And that's my first memory of being alive. And so then did you... You mostly lived with your mom. It was kind of on and off. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mostly lived with my mom. I ran away when I was 14. Um, and I, I moved in with my dad for a few weeks and he had to go to Europe for a work trip. And I was too young to take care of myself or drive myself to school and things like that. So I had to move back in with her. And then at almost 16, a week before I was 16, I ran away again after this big incident happened with my mom. And um, yeah, I moved back in with my dad for good. What was your experience with friendships? Um, That's a good question. I, My brain is pulling me in two different directions. Number one is I did have a few very close friends um, who were women but in general, at that time in my life, and for a long time, I would have described myself as getting along better with guys, um, but in the toxic kind of way, <laughs> not in the truthful kind of way. Which you know now I th- I think I get along with with either either sex just fine or any gender really. But um, the other way my brain was going was I definitely had this like this toxic idea that women were always in competition with each other. Mm. Uh, and for me, that comes from, as I shared before, this idea that like love was going to save me, which that, that idea was planted in my brain, or maybe I made it up, I don't know, when I was extremely young. Have you had any insight in where that came from? I think it was never feeling loved or accepted or seen as a child. Um, my mom, in my experience, painted a picture over my face and talked to it there was zero recognition for who I truly was unless it was convenient to criticize. Um, Why aren't you more like your sister? She gets good grades. Why can't you get good grades? Just constant criticism. And so whenever it was convenient and otherwise it was like, it was like, I wasn't even there. Um, So it didn't really matter at the end of the day, whose household I was in, it was just different kind of generational trauma. And there wasn't a second parent to like, um, to to police the other right like they each had their full reign of of doing whatever they wanted without being checked um so I think it came from just a childhood where and I mean I'm not saying that that my dad my dad wasn't wasn't bad to me too sometimes and I will say I I do know that both of my parents did their absolute best I don't think they were malicious but um a lot of pain was inflicted on me for sure Uh, so in both cases, as a child, as a very young child, like pre 10, I'd say I never really felt loved or seen or accepted by either of my parents. Um, and for me, it was, it became this like daydream of like, one day I will grow up and I can leave. I can escape one day. I'm going to get out of here and someone will love me. (laughs) And so this idea was born when I was really young, that love was going to save me and I think moving into like post-puberty when hormones really start getting in the mix it it brings me back to my point of like men were seen as a resource to give me love so other women can take that away from me
0: Mm. it
1: became like that and it's sick thinking I can't I have a lot of grief about all of the women that I could have had friendships with over this sick thinking.
0: Mm.
1: Like how, how many friendships up until I really got honest about that, did I miss out on?
0: Mm.
1: You know, I am grateful now that I'm able to have friendships with women because when I really took the time to put as much effort into my friendships as I did in my romantic relationships, my life flourished. It really did.
0: Yeah, I can totally relate to that. Um what was I gonna ask you? What so were you so you were kind of like scapegoaty lost childy?
1: I guess so. Um I know you like using those terms with people. I haven't really looked too much into it. I guess so. I always felt like the black sheep. Um didn't feel like anyone in the family other than my aunt on my my aunt and her wife on my dad's side they always made me feel loved and included but they were the only people who ever really made me feel that way so spending a lot more time with my mom's side of the family I never felt really seen or accepted or um I didn't feel like the I like the the time was taken to get to know me or ask me questions or anything like that. Um, that side of the family really only talks about the weather. So you never really get to talk about when things are wrong or when something's not not working for you. Like that was never talked about. It's still never talked about. What do you know about your parents' upbringings? That's a good question. Um, more facts than... Um, the intimate details that would really hint at what generational trauma I'm inheriting. <laughs> so I know for my mom, she's an immigrant. So I'm first generation on her side. Mm-hmm. Um, and her sister has full body arthritis. And mm-hmm. uh, I know that they came here from Mexico to seek treatment for her. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if a lot of like the family's, you know, finances, um energy was put towards making sure that she was okay probably at the expense of all of the other children um this is just an educated guess but that's kind of like what happened for my mom from what she's told me um her dad was really strict she wasn't allowed to like go out or have friends or do fun things things like that um and that's kind of all I really know Uh um on my dad's side they, they grew up a lot more poor than my mom's side of the family, but my, by no means is my mom's side of the family super well off or anything. Um, my dad's side of the family grew up a lot more poor. And I think my grandparents on that side moved here when they got married. So before any of the kids were born, so they are first generation. Um, their dad was an alcoholic. So my grandpa was an alcoholic, um, especially after two of their children died. One of them was like three and fell in a fire, and another one died in a car crash when she was, I think, twenty. So, I think that really affected my grandpa. And I wouldn't, from what I've, from what I've heard and what I can put together, uh, I think his drinking picked up after that. And I mean, I can't, I can't fault him for that. That's got to be so painful um mm. and it wouldn't surprise me if you know the other children felt emotionally abandoned by their father because he wasn't able to be present after that um it's re- learning about being an adult child has helped me have more compassion for my parents mm. it's it's mm. helped me shift away from blame it's not their fault hmm
0: so let's talk about your your pattern in romantic relationships. Oh, that's spicy. All right. Let's talk about your first significant one. I think a lot of the times we, th- we think about our parents' impact, but I think that the very first relationship that we have, too, also has a really big impact.
1: Oh, it did. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. Ooh, this is a... Not going to lie, I feel kind of mortified that I'm saying this for the entire world to hear. Okay, so... I'm going to go a little bit back from before I met him, because I think it's kind of relevant. Um, Not being happy as a child means that I found ways to escape. Mm -hmm. I did not really drink or do drugs or things like that, minus like a tiny little stint of drinking in high school, but that's whatever. Um, So when I was really young, I remember my friend introduced me to an online game called RuneScape. Oh,
0: I used um, to play that shit!
1: You did?
0: Yeah. See, so how yeah. many
1: friends did I miss out on just because I was too ashamed to talk about it? Yeah, I used
0: to play that some, and then I also used to play this, this game, this is really embarrassing, I used to, and this was like when I was like in my 20s too, I used to play this game called Puzzle Pirates.
1: I don't even know what that is, but I can't, I can't even play new video games because I, it's I so use complicated! To an addiction, an addiction. No, Pirate
0: and- puzzle pirates was like as old school as like runescape maybe even like more so was it um it was so emb- yeah and yeah it was so embarrassing
1: <laughs> better than playing maple story i guess just kidding <laughs> i used to play that shit uh-huh go ahead i'm just kidding no casting shape. anyway
0: that, yeah i remember that. St- yeah that thing was interesting <laughs>
1: so, so my friend my friend introduced me to this when i was in sixth grade i met my first boyfriend through that game where did he live he lived in winnipeg (laughs) okay Uh uh-huh yeah so it was always fun trying to like trying to explain to my parents why i wanted to move to canada (laughs) (laughs) you ever meet him huh i did yeah oh wow Uh uh-huh okay so this i met him how old was i probably like 13 i don't remember exactly i don't my memory from childhood really isn't that great But um, anyway, my parents obviously saw me playing video games a lot. My mom was a total pushover, so she didn't ever really stop me. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad, whenever I would do it around him, he would shame me for it. So I learned not to talk to people about liking video games. But I spent every waking hour of every day playing video games because I didn't want to be alive. I didn't want to exist um so that's definitely one of my distraction techniques anytime side note anytime I feel the urge to play video games I really have to ask myself if I want to have fun or if I'm trying to avoid something Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so I met him through that and it was just this on and off hot mess like he was definitely in hindsight an adult child too um and it it really messed me up it was just this like I really love you. You mean everything to me. And then the next day he would like drop hints about how attractive another woman is to like make me jealous. And I'm like, okay, well then I'm just...
0: the RuneScape character? What no, like
1: people side in side real side life, thing. right? Because I'm not gonna be threatened by other RuneScape characters. I don't care about that. But I was like, obviously these women who are there in person can give you like give you things, but we were together for well on and off for five years. Wow. So it was just five years of like on and off, hot, cold. And it's like, okay, well, if you're going to go and make me jealous with other women, I'm going to go and make you jealous with other men because you suck. (laughs) It was just totally, totally not healthy. And I remember when I was 17, I met this guy who treated me well, who went out of his way to take care of me and spend time with me. And like, he was just so interested in who I was and was very supportive of anything I wanted to do, like including music, which is another hot topic of shame for me. Um, and I chose my toxic boyfriend over him. <laughs> what? <laughs> because he was familiar, because it was what I was used to. And I think on some level, I think it's what I deserved. So when I did meet him in person, and I'm a little mortified that I'm saying this out out loud, but, um, that was my first experience with sex. And let's just say it wasn't a good one. Um, and he did not really respect my wishes. It was a horrible first experience. Uh-huh. So <laughs> that definitely carried throughout my adult life. It was not great. And so then what would, what was the pattern? The pattern? Um, I'd say in general, the pattern was definitely developed for my dad. I, I don't have like this burning urge to have a mother figure. Like, I don't feel like I'm, I'm missing a mom. I don't want a mom. Like, I don't have a desire for that, but I do feel like I'm missing a father. Like my soul yearns to have a father figure in my life. And I, I don't have that. So that being said, it's like, it's, it, my whole life of i want to be loved and accepted and cherished by my dad and that has never happened um not in like a all-encompassing kind of way it's been like oh i love these things about you but all of this shit, can you just get rid of it um things like and it was it was also very hot and cold um it would be things like i remember one time when we were skiing which we you know we're not a rich family so we didn't do it all the time but one time when we were skiing I um saw this kid who ate shit and I stopped to make sure he was okay and my dad told me afterwards like I really love that you have such a caring soul you're so kind and like you care about other people but then when I have really deep emotional reactions like I can even feel it in my voice right now um that's unacceptable when I have emotions that were inconvenient to him that was unacceptable and so he would shame me for it he'd say oh you're just like your mom (laughs) which you know he chose he chose her he married her he had children with her but you know somehow she's the problem (laughs) insane so anyway he would say things like that and punish me for being who I was while also praising me for being who I was and it was just a lot of like okay well which is it And that definitely carried through Um, what I have seen in all of my romantic relationships has been this pattern of longing to be understood, Mm -hmm. longing to be loved and accepted, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: a pattern of finding people who are emotionally unavailable who would be hot and cold with me. So talk
0: about your experience in your current relationship.
1: Oh, that's been interesting. Um, This is my fourth serious relationship. The previous three were all five years each, Uh, like a week shy of five years each. (laughs) It's interesting how like there's kind of a timestamp that your brain kind of follows in some way. There must be, right? What are the odds of that? And yeah, so this, this relationship has been very interesting. I am dating someone that I have known for 10 years in September. It has been really challenging after I did a lot of that really deep and difficult work I learned how to be happy by myself which was a whole new experience for me Um, I was looking for the kind of freedom and joy and love and acceptance that I found while I was alone I had been looking for that in relationships my entire life and it was just so confusing to find that alone (laughs) And also, I started to protect that so fiercely, you know, I can't tell you how many people during the time I was single, I think it was like 14 months, where I had people who were interested in me and I'm like, get away from me, you are you are threatening to ruin my peace. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Step back. Absolutely not. I am way happier alone (laughs) with somebody else and you're not going to ruin that for me. Or I'm not going to let you let me ruin that for myself. <laughs> I'll take ownership over my part of how dysfunctional all of my past relationships have been. um. Yeah, so it it was really difficult for me to get to a place where I could be honest about having feelings for him again. And um, tell him so that I didn't like, okay, let's step back. So... I realize I have feelings for him and I'm like, I'm not ready to date. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This is probably like six months after I had broken up with, or I guess my ex-boyfriend broke up with me, if anyone cares about who did what. Um, it was probably six months after that. I'd been helping him demo and rebuild his house in my spare time. So I had been seeing him often and I started to have feelings for him again. I was like, Oh, I'm not ready for that. I'm just gonna. You know put that in a nice little box and just put that to the side. Um, and then it got to the point where i I couldn't really deny it anymore. You know, I thought, okay, I'm just not going to think about it, and it'll go away. I went on this two and a half month road trip, and I was like, oh, surely by the time I get back home, I like won't feel that anymore. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> that didn't happen at all. So when I did get back, Um, it was probably a few months later where I just like couldn't deny it anymore. And I'm like, okay, these feelings are getting very difficult to ignore. And I was talking about this with my friend Mel. And, you know, I had I had really come to a crossroads where I had to make a decision between doing the unhealthy thing that I always do, or trying literally anything else. (laughs) You know, I think I think a huge side note, a huge part of of being patient with myself and learning to be different has been making different decisions. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, but whatever my impulse is, if it's led me in a direction that doesn't work, choosing anything else is an acceptable answer. Mm
0: -hmm. It's
1: an acceptable answer. Like even if it's wrong, at least, at least I did something different. And that's a huge thing to applaud. Yes. So I'm at this crossroads, right? Where I'm like, okay, I have big feelings for this guy in my life. I can either walk down the road where I invent this fantasy life together and then go to the end of the road and realize it's all a lie and then blow up our friendship by confessing my feelings for him again, (laughs) or I can go down the other road where I tell him now and either I'm rejected and I move on with my life or we get to try and see what happens so I I chose I chose the latter (laughs) it went well and yeah it's it's been interesting in every single way imaginable I had this huge resistance to dating even someone who was so familiar and so predictable and so comfortable um I had this huge resistance I still felt unsafe because at the end of the day I have never felt safe in a an intimate relationship with it with a man. I never have. I don't know what that feels like. So while I had been single, I had worked on learning how to feel safe in my body by myself and I got to a point where I was no longer in like fight or flight all the time. Gosh, what a light-hearted and joyful time in my life. But man, flip of a switch, flip of a switch, I'm in a relationship and it's like fight or flight every single minute of every single day. I have to police every single decision I make, every thought I have. It's insane. It's, it's insanity. And I'm trying my very best to do it in a healthy way. Um, you know, because I I knew before I even told him I had feelings for him that this is the direction I needed to do my work in. Like that was what this year was going to be about, was doing the work here because that's where I've been hurting my whole life so I knew it was going to be hard and I warned him right from the very beginning I was like things are going to get things are going to get really ugly first while I work through this stuff it's gonna probably look like this and I appreciate your patience what more can I say
0: that's it it's like we have to be I think that if like it's like how do we date how do we find a healthy relationship is like we have to be we have to be like upfront and like honest about this. Yeah.
1: And I have to say, like particularly with him, he's very intimidating. I've always been intimidated by him. So I've I've hidden myself more than I have with other people, specifically with him, because you know, I I like him, I admire him, I he's intimidating. I'm like, okay, we're just gonna hide every single thing about ourselves that way we can't be rejected. Right. That's the same thinking like, oh, if I just like don't have a personality, can't be rejected. Right.
0: <laughs> so I
1: did my best to hide everything from, you know, uh, what I did in my free time to the things I liked, to the music I listened to, just everything, everything, everything was just so it was held under lock and key because I was scared of being rejected whether it's you know the big rejection where you're never going to talk to me again or even just small rejections like wow that's a lame song (laughs) like being so sensitive to rejection all of it feels the same Mm -hmm. all of it feels the same yeah so there was a lot of that and I think I really challenged myself while I was single to like not care about what other people think and it was much easier when it was anyone but him so, like, that was where I really had to challenge myself to be like, just play the stupid song. You know he's not going to like it, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, if I want to play Doja Cat and he's going to judge me for it, then so be it. Whatever. Yeah, and it the interesting thing is the more open I was with who I am, the more he liked me. I could just tell. Not that he ever said anything, but it was it was just interesting and it was very... Counterintuitive to what I had believed my whole life, like showing who I am means that I'm more likely to get rejected, right? But that just wasn't true, and so it was just more and more of like letting him see who I really was. Yeah, so it's it's been all around a very healing, very hard experience, um, and he has been incredibly patient with me because I have been rattling and banging in every possible and imaginable way, and. I've been honest about where I'm coming from after the fact. And I'm like, hey, I'm sorry this happened. I'm, you know, I, I own my behavior. Like it's my responsibility to to deal with my feelings, to, to feel them and let them pass through me, that's on me. And I think one of the things I learned finally from my last relationship is that other people are not responsible for my feelings, but they are responsible to my feelings. And there's a difference, right? And it took me a long time. I had to, I don't remember where I read that, but I had to read that so many times because I- Why don't you explain that if people don't understand what that means? So being being responsible to someone's feelings versus for someone's feelings. I'll just give you an example. My friend, Mel, called me A few months ago, and she was very upset because her dog was going through some medical issues Um, being responsible for her feelings would have been like girl here is $10,000 take -hmm. him to every vet do every service possibly imaginable let me fix this for you, I am responsible for your feelings um and of course I had the urge to do that (laughs) I even offered her money I was like you know if if you really need it I am here to support you I care about you but I know that's not what you're seeking right now at the end of the day she was looking for someone to see her and hear her pain and be responsible to her feelings so the answer that she got from me was that sounds so hard we were on the phone together I have met this dog my dog has met this dog she lives in Canada um And I cried with her. Mm -hmm. I sat there and I cried with her. And that's being responsible to her feelings because I love her and I care about her.
0: Mm. Mic drop.
1: Yeah. So I learned, I learned from my last relationship that people are responsible to my feelings, but not for them. That is my job to bring myself back to equilibrium. That's on me. But that doesn't mean that I can't share about what brought me there in the first place. Like, hey, meet me halfway. Maybe maybe phrase things a little bit differently. But um, I'm still, I'm teetering in and out between like hypervigilance and non-hypervigilance. So I'm, I'm grateful that that's finally easing up because we have been dating for six, seven months now? Seven months now? I don't know, something like that. Oh, I'm so glad that's finally starting to like back off because it's exhausting it's exhausting there there are some days where all I did was you know work and sleep in my last relationship dude I was so desperate to not be alone and of course this is in hindsight every single time that something came up and something always came up you know we never actually resolved our problems because he never wanted to talk about it so You know, with the very little information I got, I just accepted that I was the problem because if I was the problem, then I can fix it. But if he was the problem, I can't, I can't control that. So I just accepted all of the blame because, well, hey, I'm so desperate to make this work that I will make it work, but it it never actually worked. So spinning down that hole, I feel you. I remember before we broke up for good, we broke up one other time before that and I heard this once, and God, I'm probably going to cry when I say it, but I read from a research study that rats, when put in a bucket of water, will try to swim and save their lives for 15 minutes. Um, if you take out the rat and then, you know, let it calm down and put it back in the tub, uh, it will swim for 60 hours really? trying to save itself. Wow. And I was that fucking rat. I was the rat. Because what happened was, after we broke up the first time, he showed me who I fell in love with. And I I betrayed myself so much worse than I ever had in my entire life. I was treated worse than the first four and a half years. It was worse. And I couldn't even imagine that it could get that worse. Mm. I couldn't imagine it getting that bad. And it was horrible. He treated me horribly. And it hurts me that I let him treat me that way. But I was that rat. I had been given a glimpse of hope. And I was like, I will do anything to make it work.
0: I've never heard that. Where did you read that?
1: I'll have to go dig it up. I don't remember. I've read so many books. I've read so many posts. I've read so many articles. I've read so many things. I'll have to go look it up. But it was a research study. And I was like, why am I identifying with the research study? I'm the fucking rat
0: yeah well I think many of us can relate to being the rat okay so three things that you like about yourself my dear
1: Ooh, I love my empathy in spite of my father Mm. um (laughs) I like that I'm extremely creative like I like to make things I am also very good in like in situations I can be creative situationally so I can like always be on my toes and not be thrown off by situations um, and improvising. And a third thing I like about myself, I'm very financially savvy, yes.
0: even though I'm always
1: worried about money. I, I, I am very financially savvy. Hope or dream for the future? Ooh, I wanna open a coffee shop that also sells plants where I can make macrame and do crafts with people. Probably there'll also be pottery and all of the other hobbies that I love. Seeking investors. Thank you. What you're holding on to, but just let it all go. What's making you small now? Let it